the Milwaukee Catholic Charismatic Renewal welcomes you to a drive-in prayer meeting. Hello, everyone. This is Marianne Skrobiak, your liaison. I'd like to speak to you today about repentance and forgiveness as we begin our day of prayer. We are all familiar with the passage from 2 Chronicles 7, 14, which says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. We have all prayed that individually and as a group during these months of trial. I believe those words continue to apply to us all. The Lord put on my heart that we should address this today as we gather. And so I ask that we continue to repent for the many ways we've taken the word of Lord of the Lord for granted, and not only his word, but the sacraments which we have been deprived of for months. Hopefully, we have all gained a deeper understanding and appreciation for the real presence of our Lord in the Most Holy Eucharist. Many of us have prayed the Holy Mass over the Internet daily. Not the same for sure, but perhaps it has deepened our hunger for Eucharist as well as our devotion to our Lord Jesus. After all, He is the source and summit of our faith. We do believe in the power of the resurrection and continue to claim the sending of the Holy Spirit on us all. We are a current of grace, my friends. We have been anointed and sent to spread the good news. We must continue to open ourselves up to the Lord's forgiveness and healing. We are all very aware of the brokenness in our corporate body. Division is rampant. It has caused a heightened awareness, perhaps, but also pain and destruction of persons, property, the economy, and so on. So as God's faithful prayer warriors and followers of Jesus Christ, we bow before our Lord seeking forgiveness for personal and social sin as we pray. Please repeat the invocations after me. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. For the times we failed to see one another equally as children of God, regardless of race, color, or creed, Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. For the times we perpetuated the brokenness in our communities, our families, and even in our church, by thinking our ideas were the best and failing to consider other options, Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy for the times we took for granted all the graces available to us through the sacraments of reconciliation and Eucharist. May we never again allow ourselves to take all these blessings for granted. Lord, have mercy. Increase our spiritual eyes and ears, Lord, so that we may honor you and your sacrifice for us all by putting the needs of others before our own. Through the intercession of our Blessed Mother, may we too be able to say yes, Lord, to all you call upon us to do. May we also be faithful, O Lord, in using the many charisms you've given us through the power of your Holy Spirit, especially the gift of tongues, as we pray, Come, 
Holy Spirit. We rededicate ourselves today to you, Lord, and the mission of bringing the baptism in the Holy Spirit to all. Give us the graces, wisdom, and energy to do so through the charismatic renewal, which our own Pope Francis speaks of as a current of grace. I'm ending today with the prayer of St. Ignatius of Loyola called the Sushipe prayer, 16th century. It reminds me of Merton's prayer that I've prayed for years. May it sink deep into our hearts and cause us to recommit our lives to the Lord Jesus for the building up of the kingdom here and now. Please bow your heads and pray with me. Take, Lord, and receive all my liberty, my memory, my understanding, and my entire will, all I have and call my own. Whatever I have or hold, you have given me. I return it all to you and surrender it wholly to be governed by your will. Give me only your love and your grace, and I am rich enough and ask for nothing more. God bless you all. Hi, my name is Johnny Bertusi, and I am the chairman of the Ark and the Dove Worldwide, which is the historic site of the Duquesne Weekend. And I'm happy to be sharing some reflections for the Catholic Charismatic Renewal of Milwaukee. I want to begin with a verse from Genesis chapter 7, verse 11. In the second month, on the seventeenth day of the month, on that day all the fountains of the great deep burst forth, and the windows of the heavens were opened, and rain fell upon the earth forty days and forty nights. Again, that's from Genesis chapter 7, verse 11. For those who don't know, the Duquesne weekend is generally known by many as the beginnings of the Catholic Charismatic Renewal. The Duquesne Weekend was a retreat for Duquesne University students held at the Ark and the Dove Retreat Center near Pittsburgh. So why did I read that Genesis scripture? Because the Duquesne Weekend happened on the second month, on the 17th day of the month. So at a place called the Ark and the Dove, on the same day and the same month that Noah started experiencing Quote, all the fountains of the great deep bursting forth. On that same day, a group of college students was experiencing a different kind of fountains bursting forth. And just like the flood covered the earth, so did the baptism of the Holy Spirit soon cover the earth again. So I come to you from this special place of grace, the ark and the dove, hoping to offer some encouragement during these trying times. 2020 certainly seems like a unique year to be sure. Pandemic, racial strife, political polarization, wildfires, hurricanes, and I'm sure we can add more to that list. But I wonder just how unique this year really is. Have there not been, over the course of human history, incredibly difficult times? What makes 2020 so special as, say, compared to any of the world wars or any of the plagues in the Middle Ages. The reality is that either globally or regionally or locally or simply in our very own lives, we realize that Jesus, we realize what Jesus said, 
This world is not your home. In fact, I go away to prepare a place for you. So first we recognize that eternity is our destination, forever in heaven with Jesus. That famous 14th chapter of John's Gospel, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And when I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may also be, and you know the way where I am going. And it's further in this chapter that we read, But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring you to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. And again, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. While we are on this earth, whether in difficult times or not, we have the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, to guide us into the truth. We stand on the rock that is Jesus. We rely on the power in us that is the Holy Spirit. It is possible that we became, is it possible that we became too comfortable, too complacent? Is that possible? We became too comfortable and too complacent. Galatians 2.20 reads, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. As we die to ourselves, as we live in the power of the Holy Spirit, it is only then that we can bring light into this very dark world. Certainly one aspect of the world in which we are living is the division and the disunity seemingly from everywhere. It is important to realize that the role of the Holy Spirit is to bring unity. The day of Pentecost was a reversal of Babel. I believe it is providential that the vision and mission of the ark and the dove is to foster unity in the body of Christ and to bring baptism in the Holy Spirit to the world. And can we say, for such a time as this? Can we indeed say, for every time? At the Ark and the Dove, we are blessed to have a relic of Blessed Elena Guerra as a gift from the renewal in Brazil. Blessed Elena Guerra was an Italian nun from Lucca, Italy. She founded a religious order called the Oblate Sisters of the Holy Spirit. She was the first person beatified by Pope John XXIII. She is called by Pope John XXIII the Apostle of the Holy Spirit. I think her story may be a little bit relevant to us today. So what is Blessed Elena Guerra's story? You know, Blessed Elena Guerra wrote a number of confidential letters to Pope Leo XIII between the years 1895 and 1903. 
So kind of around the turn of the century, around the 1900 turn of the century. And these letters called for a renewed preaching on the Holy Spirit. Blessed Elena Guerra said, The Holy Spirit is the one who forms saints. She wrote between 10 and 12 letters overall. So what was the these letters about? What were the result of these letters? So the first letter to Pope Leo XIII, in response to that letter, Pope Leo published an encyclical in which he asked the entire church to celebrate a novena to the Holy Spirit every year between Ascension and Pentecost. Um, how many of us has a, attended such a novena? I know um, in the New Orleans area where I'm from, every year, as long as I can remember, we've attended a Holy Spirit novena between Ascension and Pentecost. Of course, I had no idea that it was Blessed Elena Guerra's letter to Pope Leo XIII that was the genesis of such a novena. In her ninth letter, uh, Blessed Elena Guerra wrote to Pope Leo XIII, Elena begged Pope Leo XIII to exhort all Catholics to pray for the new century. This letter was written in 1900, and she asked Pope Leo XIII to place the century under the sign of the Holy Spirit, and that the new century begin with the hymn Veni Creato Spiritus, and to be sung at the beginning of Mass, the first day of the new year. And um, that's what happened on January 1st, 1901, the first day of the first year of the 20th century, Pope Leo XIII intoned the hymn, Veni Creato Spiritus, Come, Creator Spirit, in the name of the whole Church. On that same day, an event took place in Topeka, Kansas, that marked the beginning of a great revival in the power and in the gifts of the Holy Spirit destined to sweep throughout this country and indeed around the world. Um, theologians and historians have called the 20th century the century of the Holy Spirit. Perhaps we should imitate Blessed Elena Guerra and pray for a renewed dedication to the Holy Spirit. May we all become apostles of the Holy Spirit. The only thing that can change a dying world is the light of Jesus Christ. May the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of unity, envelop us once again. Blessed Elena Guerra had a saying that Pentecost is every day. Lord, send your Spirit to us again so that we can live Pentecost today. Blessed Elena Guerra, pray for us. And so as I end these reflections, this sharing uh, from the Ark and the Dove, again, um, these times we live in, we just pray for a renewed outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of unity, that we can bring light to a dark world and uh, that we can remember that we stand on the rock, the rock that is Jesus Christ. This world is temporary. Our home is forever in heaven with Jesus, and uh, we need to always be reflecting on eternity and knowing that this, this earth, this home is temporary. Our real home is in heaven with Jesus. So again, Blessed Elena Guerra, pray for us. Holy Spirit, come. Fill us anew with the power 
and the love and the grace and the joy that um, that is yours. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless the Catholic Charismatic Renewal of Milwaukee. And I invite you all one day to visit this home of baptism in the Holy Spirit, the Ark and the Dove. Blessings to you all. Hello, my name is Mark Nemo, and uh, I work here at St. Columbanus Church uh, in the south side of Chicago. And I'm glad to, to bring you this presentation on exercising charisms to keep faith, hope, and love alive in our families, cities, country, and world during, uh, during the COVID-19 pandemic. I'd like to start with a scripture from 2 Timothy chapter 1, reading from verses 6 to 9. For this reason, Paul says, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God you received when hands were laid on you. For God did not give us a spirit of cowardice or timidity, but rather of power and love and self-control or a sound mind. So, do not be ashamed of your testimony to our Lord, nor of me, a prisoner for his sake, but bear your share of hardship for the gospel with the strength that comes from God. Now Paul begins that text by saying, for this reason. For what reason is it? Prior to this verse, Paul commended Timothy for his faith, which first dwelt in his grandmother Lois, and mother Eunice. See, faith must be exercised or practiced in order for it to grow and mature. You, you heard this saying before, practice makes perfect. Mm -hmm. And Dr. Joe Paparaki uh, says, practice makes Catholic. If faith must grow and mature, especially during times of trials, during tests and temptations. Now, have we not been tried in the past couple of months because of COVID-19? Uh, Walter Brueggemann, a, a biblical scholar, uh, has written a book during this period, a very powerful book. You know, it speaks about virus as a summons to faith. It talks about biblical reflections in a time of loss, grief, and anxiety. I really like you to to, to really take a look at this book. And he contends that the challenge of COVID-19 summons us to reimagine our way of living in relationship to God and one another. So, so the biblical account helps us always to make sense hmm, and to find meaning to what seems to be an overwhelming experience which, which seems to throw us out of control. Okay, so... So it's not enough just to have faith. We need to practice and exercise this faith. Why? Because Paul says what? The gift of God has been uh, received by us by the laying on of hands. And what does he refer to? Hmm? He refers to the gift of the Holy Spirit. So the gift he's asking Timothy to fan into flame, to stir up, is the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is the gift of God's love poured out into our hearts. You remember Romans chapter 5 verse 5? For the love of God has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. 
So, so the Holy Spirit mm, always assures us of all of, of, of the fact that we are loved by God, no matter what goes on around us. Mm. So it is, it's, the, it's this confidence that makes us cry out, Abba, Father, as Romans chapter 8, verse 14 to 15 tells us. For we are no longer slaves, but rather we are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Okay. So God not only gives us the gift, capital G, of the Holy Spirit, but when the gift of the Holy Spirit is given, we are also endowed with gifts, if you like, small g, charisms, in order to equip us in building up the body of Christ in love. So, so Paul writes to the Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4, right? And he says, and he gave some as apostles, others as prophets, others as evangelists, others as pastors, others teachers to equip the holy ones. Take note of that. Okay? So he gives these gifts so that he would equip the holy ones for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the extent of the full stature of Christ, so that we may no longer be infants tossed by waves and swept along by every wind of teaching arising from human trickery, from the cunning in the interests of deceitful what, scheming. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 to 14. So these gifts, okay, small g, or charisms, are not trophies. Okay? Gifts are not trophies, but rather they are tools. This is a hammer. This is a trophy. Gifts are tools. They are not meant for display on shelves. Okay? We are endowed with charisms so that we would use these tools which are meant to equip us to serve our families, to serve the church, to serve our city and the world. So I want to, I want to, I want to just share about six charisms that I think are very important in this time as we are faced with with COVID-19 pandemic, six, six charisms. The charism of faith, prayer, prophecy, healing, evangelization, and hospitality. Okay, so we'll start with, with the first one, faith, faith. Hebrews 11, verse one and verse six tells us, faith is the confident assurance of things hoped for, not seen. And verse six tells us, anyone who comes to God must believe that God exists and that God rewards those who seek him diligently. Now in baptism, we all receive the theological virtues of what we call faith, hope, and charity or love. Okay? Now, now this faith that we receive in baptism is what we call believing faith. Okay? Believing faith. Believing that God exists. Okay? James tells us even the devil and the demons believe the same thing that God exists. But we need to grow into what's called trusting faith. And beyond that, further grow into expectant faith. The exercise of expectant faith is a charism that must be sought after. See, So you, it's like you graduate from believing faith, you go to trusting faith and expectant faith. 
That's the faith that Paul speaks about in 1 Corinthians 12, 9. That to another, hmm, by the same, by, to another he gives faith by the same spirit. Luke chapter 18, verse 8 says, When the Son of Man returns, will he still find faith on earth? During a time like this, people question whether God even exists. So throughout the biblical tradition, we discern a constant wrestling with God, if you like. In fact, the name Israel means one who wrestles with God. So in our helplessness, in the face of COVID-19, when, when science does not even seem to provide the answers that we desire, who do we turn to? Where do we turn to? So COVID-19 summons us to exercise faith. All right? COVID-19 calls us to persevere in faith. Right? Faith is translated as pistis. Pistis in the Greek language. And which means what? Trust or to believe. Okay? So, so that's the first charism we need to exercise a lot during this COVID-19 crisis. Second, prayer. We need to exercise the charism of prayer. Luke chapter 11, verse 1 through to 13. The disciples of Jesus came to him with a request. Teach us how to pray, just like John taught his disciples how to pray. And after Jesus taught them, you know, the famous Our Father, the Lord's Prayer, he goes on to say in verse 9, Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. And what does he say? He says, What father would give his son a snake if he should ask for a fish? Or a scorpion if he should ask for an egg? Evil as you are, you know how to give good gifts to your children. Then he says something amazing. He says, How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? See, so they ask him about prayer. But, but then he starts to really challenge them to ask for the gift of the Holy Spirit, which will help them to really pray. Prayer helps us to abide or remain in Christ. That's what prayer does to us. Helps us to abide or remain in Christ. It is our opportunity to have communion with the Lord. And Jesus says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Hmm? John chapter 15. Verse 5, he says, but apart from me, you can do nothing. Okay, so, so, so we need to lift up, if you like, our prayers of praise, thanksgiving, petition, intercession, and above all, spiritual warfare hmm, before the throne of God during this COVID-19 pandemic. Our confidence is in the fact that he forever lives to make intercession for us. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. Okay, so we've touched on faith, we've touched on prayer, now prophecy, prophecy as a charism. And I'd like you to really read Ezekiel chapter 37. In baptism, each one of us has been called to share in what we call the threefold mission of Christ as priest, prophet, and king. The prophet is a spokesperson for God. The prophet calls people back into covenant relationship with God. The prophet sometimes has to give a message that is not pleasant. Hmm? But, but God's purpose is always to restore what? 
friendship with humankind and creation. So there's no need for, for, for there's a need, if you like, for the exercising of prophetic imagination in, in our times. Because God cannot be domesticated. God is holy. God's ways are above our ways. And we must learn to be humble and align our thoughts and our ways to God's ways. So this is so much needed in the midst of our brokenness. Like the prophet Ezekiel, we seem to be in a valley of dry bones. We can only say with Ezekiel, Sovereign Lord, only you know if these bones can live again. So in exercising all the charisms, we have to maintain a prophetic voice in the midst of this pandemic. The role of the prophet has always been to remind the people to return to the Lord and also proclaim the restoration of the Lord after, if you like, war, pestilence, or famine. So prophesy that there will be a rattling of the bones as they come together. Prophesy for sinews and flesh to come over the skeletons. Prophesy for breath from the east, west, north, south to enter the bodies so that they can become a mighty army ready to do exploits for God. Now we go on to the fourth charism, healing. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 says, If my people, upon whom my name is pronounced, humble themselves and pray, and seek my presence and turn from their evil ways, I will hear them from heaven and pardon their sins and revive or heal their land. So in the Old Testament, we read about the afflictions of war, pestilence, famine, we call that, that the triad, huh? the triad. It's often war or sword, pestilence and famine coming upon the land. And the children of Israel saw themselves reaping what they had sown. They would plead with the Lord to bring healing to the land. And this is one way of interpreting the acts of God. If you like, call it a quid pro quo. Hmm? God rewards good behavior but he punishes bad behavior. That's, that's one way of, if you like, finding meaning and interpretation to the scriptures. Sometimes also, God acted by summoning his power to punish those who challenged his sovereignty. An example is the plagues in Egypt. You remember the 10 plagues in Egypt recorded in Exodus. A third way of interpreting God's actions is about God allowing whatever happens owing as no explanation. Because he's God all by himself. God cannot be domesticated. His ways are not our ways. But through the prophets, God promises to hear the cry of his people and heal them. Just read Isaiah 35, Isaiah 61, Isaiah 65. Speaks about the promises of God. After the people have been sent into exile in Babylon, he promises you're going to return and I will heal you. Comfort, comfort my people, he says in Isaiah 40. But Jesus comes in Matthew chapter 10, verse 1, verse 7 to 8. And what does he say? He summons his apostles and gives them authority over unclean spirits to drive them out and to cure every disease and every illness. He says, as you go, make this proclamation. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Cure the sick. Raise the dead. 
cleanse lepers, drive out demons. Without cost, you have received. Without cost, you are to give. But do not be discouraged by the results, brothers and sisters. Leave that to the Lord. All you and I have to do is to pray for the sick. Do whatever he tells you. Mary, Mary says to the servants in the wedding feast at Cana, John chapter 2. So let's be agents of reconciliation in this time. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 20. In, in our very polarized and divisive society, we have to bring kind of a different message, a non-anxious presence at our home, in the office, in the neighborhood, and in our nation. Now we touch on the fifth charism, hmm? witness. Paul exhorts Timothy in that text I took from the beginning, not to be ashamed of his testimony to our Lord. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. If we read 1 Peter 3, 13 to 15, he also says, Who can harm you if you are enthusiastic for what is good? For even if you should suffer because of righteousness, blessed are you. But do not be terrified with fear of them, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. And always be ready to give an explanation to anyone who asks you for a reason for your hope. But do it with gentleness and reverence, keeping your conscience clear so that when you are maligned, those who defame your good conduct in Christ may themselves be put to shame. So we need messengers of hope in times like this. Not just optimists, but people with resurrection hope based on the fact that suffering and death do not have the, the last word. In the end, God through Jesus Christ has triumphed over sin, death, and Satan. Finally, the charism of hospitality. The root word of hospitality in Greek, phileo xenia, is, is, is the love of the stranger. The opposite is the fear of the stranger, xenophobia. From hospitality, we get words like hospital, hospice, hotel, eh, hostel. So, so Pope Francis challenged the church to be a field hospital earlier in his pontificate. Again, the Pope has challenged us to build a culture of encounter. So we need to encounter people where they are at, accompany them on the journey in their pain, in their sorrow, in their joy, in their confusion, in their brokenness, and witness to them about the love of God. Now this is the call to radical hospitality. Romans chapter 12 verse 3 to 13 speaks about exercise hospitality. 1 Peter 4, 7 to 11 says, be hospitable to one another without complaining. So this challenges us to take a new look at the seven corporal works of mercy or the seven spiritual works of mercy. Now let's conclude. So this list of charisms for building up the body of Christ is endless. Hmm? So I've only touched on six charisms that I think need to be exercised during this period of the pandemic. Faith, prayer, prophecy, healing, evangelization, and what? Hospitality. So the question I leave you is this. Hmm? 
have, have your gifts become trophies on display on your shelf or have they become what tools tools that equip you and I to serve the body of Christ whether it be in our family in our neighborhood in the church or in the world at large so let's get to work now God bless you and peace be with you amen hello my brothers and sisters my friends and family of the Milwaukee Catholic Charismatic Renewal my name is Brock Alstro I am coming from you down here in Racine uh, near the Kenosha Racine County line here um, some of you know me um, I have been involved on and off I was involved with River of Life many many moons ago and uh, I worked with Marianne in the office before I moved down here to Racine to work. Uh, Marianne asked me to say a few words about, about peace, uh, about what God is doing down here, um, and even what God is doing as a part of my ministry. Um, as some of you know, I work with a college ministry called InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. I work for our region. I am our regional intercessor. And so prayer is part of my job. And what a great job that is to be in charge of changing our culture towards prayer among the colleges and universities of the upper Midwest here. And so, and obviously the last couple months, maybe the last year or two, we have seen much happening um, in our region and in our country. And so I was just thinking about what to share and how to frame that. Two scriptures came to mind that I would just like to read first. I'll just tell you a little bit about, about what I feel like God is doing and what he's saying to us in this time. The first one, um, they both come from Isaiah. The first one comes from Isaiah 43. I think this one is very poignant in our time where he says, um, starting in verse 18, the Lord speaks through Isaiah, forget the former things and do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? For I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Thank you, Jesus. The second passage that I was thinking comes a little bit later in Isaiah 61. This is what Jesus proclaims in Luke as sort of the introduction to his ministry after coming out of the desert. Starting in verse 1 of chapter 61, Isaiah writes, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow upon them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise 
instead of spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Thank you, Lord. Yes, my brothers and sisters, I would like to say through these passages that revival is coming if it is not already here. But I do know that revival will probably look different than other revivals in the past or even what our perception of revival will be because God is doing a new thing. His hand has been active. His spirit has been moving and his fingerprints have been all over what he has been doing the last months and year. In university, we have been preparing for revival. We are expecting revival. We are longing for revival. We believe revival will be a season of breakthrough. A season of breakthrough in word and in power and in deed. And it's going to usher in a new normal. A new normal which will be a new normal for kingdom experiences and ministry fruitfulness. But we do believe it's going to be a new normal. We're not going back, my friends. We are moving forward. We are moving forward as the kingdom of God reveals itself in new ways, in ways which I don't even think we have seen here in America yet. And that excites me. Because we're going to see a season of breakthrough in words and in power and in deed. And I've seen all of those already. As I was praying about shortly after COVID hit America and as things were starting to get locked down, um, the Lord gave me an image. And I think it fits for some of the things that maybe you guys have experienced, but certainly what we have experienced down here. Um, He gave me the image of, of purifying gold. And I don't know if you guys are gold experts or not, um, but to purify gold, what you do is you boil it. It's very hot, very, very, obviously, I don't know the exact temperature, but it's (laughs) quite warm than the warmest day we experience here in Wisconsin. But um, as the gold boils, the impurities of the gold rise to the top. These impurities were always in the gold. We didn't really see them because they're kind of buried inside of the gold and they were they were blind to us but as as the gold boils the impurities rise to the top and then you you skim off the impurities and when you do that the gold becomes pure and what i believe in this time this time as we our welcoming revival and seeing revival happen is that God is turning up the temperature. He is stripping away the things that we have depended on. All of the injustices and divisions and the hurts and the angers that maybe have been hidden in our society as the temperature have increased, those are bubbling up to the top. If we had depended on our church buildings and our ministry structures and our dependence on other things besides God has been stripped away because he's turning the heat up. And my friends, he is purifying us. He's purifying his church. All these things that are happening around us, they were always there. But now as they rise to the top, 
the Lord can deal with it and we as a church can deal with it as we skim it away, as the Lord purifies us to prepare us for revival. Like I said, I live um, not too far from Kenosha and I am sure most, if not all of you, have been aware of what's been happening in Kenosha the last, it's probably been almost two weeks now. Um, A black man, unarmed black man, as far as we know, anyhow, um, was shot in the back several times. Uh, I thank God that he did not die. I think any loss of life is not part of God's plan. But out of that came massive looting, riots, and protests in Kenosha. Protests during the day, the afternoons, and the early evenings have been peaceful. People of Kenosha have gathered, were gathering and protesting the injustices that they see in the city, in the different structures and systems of Kenosha. But for three days in the evenings, it was crazy. At the second night brought as many as 50 fires throughout the city of Kenosha as blocks were burned down, cars destroyed, whole auto lots burned, destroyed. And call me a third night of, of three people getting shot, two of them fatally. And many of the people in the evenings who were arrested, the police reports confirmed that most, if not all, of the people causing all of the most damage and causing the most trouble were outsiders, people who were not from Kenosha. But before that week even ended, that Thursday and that Friday, the shooting happened on Sunday, we've already seen the spirit, we already saw the spirit moving both in Kenosha and Racine, the pastors of many of the churches in Kenosha and many of the churches of Racine gathered in their respective cities and invited their members and the, and the Christians from the community to come to pray and to worship over Kenosha and what was happening. And my friends, there was not hardly any violence after that time. God's spirit was already moving. And, and not only were the churches gathering, but a ministry called Riots to Revival that started up in Minneapolis when George Floyd got murdered earlier this summer. They came down and they have started public worship events with prayer and preaching and baptisms and healings And we've seen all of that already in downtown Kenosha. That is spirit is gathering at the Civic Park, right in the middle of Kenosha, right across the street from the courthouse. Worship music, praise dancing, healings, people coming to know the Lord. And and the chains of injustice are breaking down. So he boiled, God boiled Kenosha. The impurities are exposed. And now the spirit of the God is revealing them and healing them and bringing unity to the church as the church like never before has engaged in the work 
of bringing God's justice, his kingdom value of justice to this world, to Kenosha. And so when we speak of revival and we think of a season of breakthrough, we do expect it to be a breakthrough in deeds of people serving and working towards justice and unity as people pray with power and hear God's word and respond. So God turned the riots to revival in Minneapolis and now in Kenosha. And who knows where the spirit's going to flow. And so I just wanted to give all that information to you guys, my thoughts, my words, my prayers to you guys, and ask you that you continue to pray. You continue to pray for revival to reach across our region. Continue to pray for Kenosha, for the churches, to continue to unify and rise up and preach God's word, to pray with boldness, to seek justice. Continue to pray for justice to break out in our country. God's justice, because God's justice will bring unity. Continue to pray for humility in order to receive the revival that the Lord has for us. We need humility to receive it. And, And when we are humble, please pray then for repentance. That we as a, as a church of God need to repent. Our country needs to repent. Our churches need to repent. We as individuals need to continue to repent so that God can hear our prayers and bend down and bring true revival to our area. And so that is what I have for you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your prayers. I'm excited to be with you. Um, in prayer and in spirit as we all long for revival and pray to see the new normal of a kingdom experience and his kingdom fruitfulness come to fruition in our area. Thanks everybody and God bless.